It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Thomas 
Glooney with the G, not Clooney. Saying, Coach, I loved your comments on ESPN. I do notice that the anchors are getting more attractive, yet providing worse personality. I could not agree with you more. Oftentimes, we do the same as you. We record the program, and then we will fast forward through it the next morning. We can usually get through an hour-long sports center in 10 minutes. Thank you very much for your advice, but it sure has brightened up our day with the fact that we don't have to tolerate the other 50 minutes of nonsense. Any more advice you have would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. And, you know, and I've gotten a few of those. Now, Terry Champion, I, I think, is probably one of the five most beautiful women in the world. That's my opinion. And I don't mind her personality. You know, if you're going to do a little personality show, then, then do it at certain times and, and then move on. But when every broadcast you have on SportsCenter is a personality, and I have to look at four SportsCenter desk anchors, uh, I, I just don't need it. You got to have four or five. Then they're showing something last night with Bill Walton and Jay Billis, and I, I don't know what's going on. I guess they were watching the game together and then filming it and then showing highlights. I remember Walton was in like this uh, 4th of July outfit. I mean, I, I don't really get it. I don't understand it. But, you know, I think this happens in every generation, right? When guys get older or women get older, they kind of look back and say, wow, we're getting worse. So I guess you could you could chalk it up to that, but um, you know, generationally speaking, it just amazes me how little people work. How uh, you know, I, I'm in one of those you know pontification type moments where you know the sports world, sports in general are so great. The only way we could ruin it is by the people that are involved with the reporting on it. The actual competition, the, the the battle, that's that's never going to change. Now, they're going to put some rules in there. They're going to make it worse. They're going to dance it up a little bit. You know, there's little things. It, it, and it goes, it goes to the inauguration, too. Since when do we need an inauguration where you have to have entertainment? Shouldn't the entertainment be the speech? And I'll get into that. But the 30-minute the, the, the halftime shows and uh, the commercials and, you know, enough. And then I got to deal with people that just don't know what they, you know, how to, how to perform in their profession. You know, you get these people that have these aspirations and these dreams and they want to do this. They, I want to be a Division One player. I really want to be a player. What can I do to be a player? Well, you got to get on the court. Well, I want to be a coach. What do you got to do? Well, you got to work. I mean, it, it's just not complicated. But then you, you, you see these people and the lack of work ethic and the lack of desire and the handout saying, help me, show me, give me, it, it's all quite annoying. I don't get it. So I'm watching SportsCenter. And it's just hard. Now, the worst part about games like this, this is where I am thinking that the new technology and me being older is better. But the hard part about games like this is, and see if this makes sense to you, when I've seen, and it was a fantastic game, 
And the same goes with the NCAA basketball tournament. And I had a better experience watching the NCAA final in basketball because I watched that game in Australia. And what made that experience better was there was not this overhype 4-7 coverage of the event. Game was over. We talked about it with my friends. We, we went back and, and hung out, did whatever, went to the mall, went shopping, did this, did that. And it left me hungry. It, it made me want to go back and watch it again. It, I was able to absorb it. I was able to, to really let it sink in. Watching the final last night, it, it, it just saturates it so bad. I could turn on any channel, and it's just all coverage all the time. We're going to talk to Steve Spurrier about this. We're going to talk to Les Miles about this. We're going to talk to – I mean, they're bringing every, you know, every dude and every chick in the world coming in. Yeah, we're going to talk to uh, Mandy Moore about the football game. Yeah. Hey, we're going to talk to uh, Benji, the ninth dog. Uh, we're going to bring the dog in and see what he thought of it. Uh, we're going to show the same regurgitated replays over and over we're going to do the interviews of every coach, every player. You're going to hear the same interview from the same player. And then you're going to hear my opinion of it because I'm the great ESPN Sports Center anchor who never played a sport in his life and could never relate to what that feeling was like. Oh, and then, you know, ESPN put on first win versus Alabama since 1905 when E equals MC squared. Oh, wow. Well, wow, first time they beat him since 1905? Well, how many times have they played? 13 times. Oh, okay. Wow. So how about the story should be they played 13 times in 112 years? Uh, that, that's not, that, that's not a, a great sample size in my world. Times, uh, that is, what's that, barely over once a year, once a decade. But, man, it's just saturated. And I mean, I, I think I would love for someone to be so bored with their life that they could sit down and watch all the coverage just on ESPN alone. And name the amount of people that made a comment or had a commentary on the game. And they all say the same thing. So then I said, you know what? I'm bored with this. Let me see what's on Fox Sports 1. Well, it's on NBC Sports. The Dan Patrick Show. Okay, well, you know, what are you going to do? I wonder what they're going to talk about. What's on CBS Sports? Boomer and Carlton. What's on uh, Fox Sports 1 after the motorcycle? Skip and Shannon. Now, now, here's my point. Those are, we know what we're getting with that. We know we're going to get opinions from those commentators. The Dan Patrick Show, I know what I'm getting. I'm getting Dan Patrick. If I want to turn on Mike and Mike on ESPN2, I know what I'm getting. If I want to watch First Take, I know what I'm getting. When I turn on SportsCenter, I don't, I don't want to get those opinions from clowns. And another factor is, you know, I do have a bit of a problem when I'm listening to a guy talk sports that never played it. 
don't know. Maybe that's just some minor flaw, but I, I, I don't, I don't give a lot of credibility to that. Even though I love some of these people. I mean, there's, there's some of the people that, that I don't really have a lot of respect for when it comes down to their opinions, because I know they've never really played the game. But I do like they, they are entertaining, like Colin Cowherd. I don't know. Is he, I, I imagine he's never played a game in his life. Dan Patrick, I've imagined, I imagine, has never played a game in his life. I mean, uh, of high level. Now, Skip and Shannon, a little different because Shannon's played. You know, so I could say, okay, well, that, that's a little different. You know, and this thing with Boomer and Carlton, Boomer's played. So you get a little bit different perspective. Mike and Mike, Mike played. Well, one of the mics, obviously. The other mic is just a nerd. But, man, you just watch the, uh, I just, it's just, you're going to get so saturated with it. That's why you just got to step away. And I don't think ESPN recognizes the fact that they really are, in some ways, losing viewers. Or there's viewers now that are being smart enough to say, let's just record it. Like, as soon as the game was over and I knew they were going to go to that, that bald guy on ESPN, <laughs> once I knew they were going to him, I just I just went to bed. It was one in the morning, by the way. That's another topic I want to talk about. I mean, imagine being in, you know, I, I, grew, up in, I grew up in California. So I was to have grown up there. Because I could have watched that game last night, and the game would have been over at about uh, 9, 9.30, maybe 10. Piece of cake. And I've said this before, how fortunate I was to have been raised in California or on the West Coast, where I could watch games and not have to worry about it. If, if Growing up here is a massive disadvantage i've got kids that i work with here they can't stay up till one in the morning and then go to school and then go to practice and have a game record the game therefore they're going to wake up and hear about it they're not going to get the same flavor the same learning experience because i think watching games is a learning experience you're not going to get that same learning experience because you have to go to bed man you can't be up till one in the morning Well, why do they play the game so late? Advertising. So they have two choices to make. What's more important to us? That kids on the East Coast can watch the games at a reasonable hour and go to bed. Or that people on the West Coast can get home from work in time to watch the game. Therefore, they get off work at 5, get home by 5.30, 6 o'clock. That's when we'll start our games, which means 9 o'clock on the East Coast. Because why? The demographic dollar, the adult male, is much more valuable than the child. The adult male is the one buying things. And the adult male will stay up till 1 in the morning. That's what they're assuming. But, man, what a, what a pain that would be, having to live and grow up here on the East. Where I, I could ask a 1,000 kids right now, how many of you watched the game last night? Maybe 100. Well, I watched, I watched the first half, and I went to bed. And then I recorded it. And then what, you're going to wake up early and watch the rest? Well, what's the point of that? Just stay up late. And then don't wake up early. 
but man, I cannot stand. I don't even know his name. And that's another thing. When I turn on the, the let's say the guide on DirecTV and I hit the guide button, and I go to 206, which is ESPN, and I look up what's on at 11 o'clock. It says Sports Center. It doesn't say the ESPN hosts. It has nothing to do with them. He's not relevant. She's not relevant. So then why don't we make it about Sports Center? Why don't we make it about Sports Center and not about the anchors? That would be uh, a lot better for me. And you know what? To be honest, if, if I if I had to sit here and name all of the of the anchors, I really couldn't. I could name the old ones. You know, Chris Berman's retiring, thank God, but he's had a great run. I don't think I could name. Like, I'm trying to remember who the guy is at night. Scott Van Pelt, that's who it is. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I cannot stand Scott Van Pelt. I just can't. He tries to be funny. He's giving opinions. I don't want the opinions, man. I would love to just, you know, hear the highlights, throw your opinions in maybe during the highlight, and then do a bunch of interviews. Let's hear Saban talk. Let's hear Dabo Sweeney talk. Let's hear the quarterback. Let's hear the, like, the defensive back. Let's hear this. Let's hear that. Let's hear this. Let's that. I mean, I'll tell you one sports center anchor I do know, Carrie Champion. I know that much. I think she's big time. I do I, I know like Linda Cohn. She's been there since like ninety two. She's been there forever. Some of those older ones I have a little more respect for and, and I like her because she's not so opinionated. Bob Lee, Steve Levy, Susie Colber. I mean, some of these have been there from the get-go. Like John Berman, from the get-go. Even like, I don't know, I'm looking up names here. Bucci Gross. Reese Davis has been there a long time, man. Neil Everett. Reese Davis, how, how long has Reese Davis been there? Since 95. No one beats Berman, but all these other ones, you're, you're not funny. Carl Ravitch, Bob Lee, and Chris Berman from the get-go, from the beginning. But just, you know, it, it's and you hear Dan Patrick talk about his experiences there a little bit. You know, it, it's just enough. I keep saying the same old thing over and over again, but I got a ton of emails on it, so that's why I wanted to go over it. Um. You know, it's fun to look at the reaction of the in the Alabama sports bars and the campus bars and the you know at Clemson and I think that was fun. That, that, that I've been there. And you wonder why sports is so great. You look at these people in these sports bars and they are devastated or elated. There's nothing to gather. You know, especially in a time today that I. I I honestly mean this. Um, we are about as racially divided as I can ever remember as a nation. Every time I turn on the news, it's about race. Every time. Bunch of uh, African-Americans beating up on a white guy. Bunch of white guys beating up on African-American guys. 
or white guys beating black guys up, black guys killing black guys, black on black crime, black lives matter, hate crime, white cop, black victim, black cop killed by black perpetrator. It's like they don't say a police officer shot today. They say uh, an African-American police officer shot by an African-American. It's everything is so race-driven. That the one area in life you can kind of go to where that's not relevant is sports. Last night I'm watching uh, Clemson guys dancing and hugging white guys. You won't see that in society. It, it, the way we are so racially driven. Well, I guess there's some female commentator on NBC that got the two movie Spences and some other movie confused hidden fences and fences or hidden hidden something in fences i don't know but they're both primarily starring african-american casts so then this commentator was white and she said hidden fences when it wasn't hidden fences and what happened she got smashed on twitter for being racist because she mixed out uh Two movies that were primarily starting, starring African Americans. And you're thinking, what? Hidden Figures—that's what it's called. Hidden Figures looks pretty good. It's about the three um, African American women that had a big role in something in history nobody knows about. Then you got Fences, which I don't think was very good. But. So instead of saying hidden figures, you said hidden fences or something like that, so that she's a racist. Now, if she had gotten, um, I don't know, uh, passengers mixed up with fences, then it's okay. That, that's the way our world is. So in order to get away from that world, you go to sports where the championship game was won by a black guy throwing it to a white guy. And then said black guys and white guys hugging each other and loving each other like brothers. Maybe society could take some hints from that. But anytime I turn on any TV show, it's about Trump is a racist. and So sports is the really the best. And then you hear some idiot like, you know, and this is why people don't also, people don't get this. Maybe I get, maybe you should give him credit. But like for Meryl Streep, I, I lost all respect for her. The same way I lost respect for those clowns on that Hamilton show. It's like, listen, I don't need to hear your political views. I don't need to hear your opinion. Don't you find it ironic that Meryl Streep is going to go up there and criticize Trump and say whatever she says? That's fine. She has her opinions. But then in the audience, I see a guy like, I don't know, Mel Gibson. He had some pretty bad moments there, didn't he? I would say his moments were a lot worse than Trump's. I mean, I'm not 100%. Uh, allegedly, I think his phone call rant to his current girlfriend and or wife, whoever she was, where he's, I don't know, man, that was pretty bad. And then the altercation with the cops. Pretty bad uh, statements coming out of his mouth. So you're going to get up there, Meryl Streep, and you're going to talk to me as an American citizen 
and tell me what I should think. When you got people in that audience that you would have to say are bad people, have bad thoughts. While you're drinking your $1,000 champagne and your $1,000 meal that you don't even finish, I guarantee you I could have collected all the food in that building and fed a third world country for a month. I could have collected all the food that was not eaten. And if you're so high and mighty, why don't you do something? Why don't you run for office? Why don't you donate money to a charity? Why don't you make a difference? Why don't you be a great role model to go up there and spew your thoughts? And you're talking to me from the high perch that you live on, way up there in the hills where you're, million-dollar mansion and your $100,000 car and your $5,000 outfit that you're wearing, and you're going to talk down to me? And then at the end of your speech, you're going to say, uh, if you take away all of the – what was she saying? I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, you take away all of the foreigners from the entertainment world, which he, he, to her means movies then you would have no arts and you would be stuck watching football and the mixed martial arts, which, by the way, is not an art. That was her quote, something like that. Who is she talking to? You, you don't think that football brings in more money than your stupid movies? Watch the game last night, Meryl Streep, and you tell me, who who – how many people were watching your stupid speech? Now, they, they saw it on YouTube or they saw it on the news more than they saw it live. But how many people were watching that versus that game last night? And that's not even the NFL. The Super Bowl trumps everything. And then you're going to get on your little perch and you're going to sit there and talk down to me about how we have a, a – you're crying about what this, what this person said about a blah, blah. Get your facts straight first. Why don't you bring up what happened with the uh, four African-Americans beating up on the need, special needs person? Bring that up. But what you did was you just added fuel to the fire. I'm so tired of Hollywood. I'll tell you that right now. It's kind of weird to me. Why does everyone in Hollywood act like that? Well, it's because if you don't act like that, then you won't get a job. If you came out and said something contradictory Meryl Streep, then you're not going to get you're not going to get a job. Meryl Streep would say something like, "I'm not going to work in this movie if he's in it." My way, and I make a lot of money, and I'm better than you, and I'm going to talk down to you because I'm a better person than you. Just shut your stupid mouth, accept your award, thank the people that were fortunate enough to be in your life to assist you in getting to the mountaintop, and then just go sit down. Drink your million-dollar food, I mean, million-dollar drinks, and eat your million-dollar food. Just sit down and shut up. And then you're going to badmouth, what, football? Okay, you ask every citizen in the United States, what would you rather have, no sports or no movies? I think the no sports would uh, – you, you'd have more people saying they would rather have no movies. I would say it would be about 
How many people attend sporting events? How many people watch sporting events? And let's do that compared to the movies. But I, 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 I lost respect for her. I just don't need to hear her comments. And then you're bad-mouthing football, yet when I turn on the TV and I watch football and I see a black guy hugging a white guy, I don't see that too often in your world. I, I, don't, I don't see the movie world doing that too often. In fact, you turn on the movie world, it's usually movies starring a lot of black guys or movies starring a lot of white guys. Or when I say guys, I mean male and female. So I go watch Fences, primarily African-American. I go watch Passengers, primarily white, although there were some African-Americans in there. I turn on the highlight reel and watch these games. I see black guys and white guys hugging each other and crying. So what's doing society a better job here? How about the uh, Motion Picture Association or whatever you want to call yourselves, having all the issues that there's no African-American nominees. There's no, you know, it's a racist community. Didn't we have that discussion last year? Wasn't it last year where we had no African-American candidates for actor or supporting actor or any of that? And wasn't there a big controversy? You don't see that in sports very much. You have a black quarterback winning a national championship. Both teams have black quarterbacks. But if you, if, you, if you did a movie about Alabama, you'd have to put a white guy in there. Right? Is that the way that – is that what everyone's complaining about? There's no minority starring in, in big-time movies? Uh, that's what I remember last year. So, Meryl Streep, just shut up. And all these actors and actresses, just shut up. You know, they come on, they do their commercials, and Trump this, Trump that. I can't believe this, can't believe that. You know what, man? Well, uh, the American people voted. And then someone says, popular vote, popular vote. It, it's, maybe I'm wrong, but I think since the beginning of the, of the United States of America, this is how we have elected our presidents. It's like, it's like having a sporting event. And you say, listen, we're not going to do, we're not going to base. And I said this to somebody who was, because, you know, I don't like getting into these discussions because most people are stupid. So, I, you know, I don't want to talk to people about this, but somebody was getting into it. And, they, and I was right in the room. And this guy's talking about popular vote, popular vote, popular vote. And, he, and, he, and he, he, he's a wannabe athlete, never watched a game. I mean, never played the game. So I, I finally just got enough because he just kept ranting. And I said, let me ask you this. Let me, let me see if this makes a good comparison for you. You're complaining about the popular vote. That the popular vote should be, okay, that's fine. That's your way out. But that's not the way we've elected our presidents from the beginning of time. To me, your whining is like somebody who says, we lost the game 24 to 21. We out, we out played them. Or we have more yards from scrimmage we threw for 482 yards ran for 190 we had 712 total yards and the team that we got beat by had 118 total yards we scored more points in the first three quarters we outscored them 21 nothing 
and then they outscored us in the fourth quarter, twenty-four zero, and we lost twenty-four to twenty-one. So we should have won the game. We have more yards, total yards. We had better defense. We got beat because we had some turnovers and we had a uh, special teams return and a block punt. So we should be the national champions, not you. Why? Because we have more total yards. We had more big plays. We scored more points in the three quarters. You only all scored us in one quarter. So let's rewrite the rules. Let's say from now on in sports, you get five points per game, per quarter. So every quarter you win, you get five points. And if you win the total yardage battle, that's another five. And if you give up the least amount of yards uh, per play, that's another five. And let's invent all these new rules to come up with the actual winner. In many instances in sports, the better team doesn't always win. Many times in the world, the better team doesn't win because they did not execute at the time that they were supposed to execute. Many times people don't get jobs because they can't interview. Many, there's a lot of very highly qualified people that don't have jobs simply because they don't know how to speak. They can't interview. They don't know how to work. But if you talk to them intellectually, they have more knowledge than the person that's actually in that position. But the fact that they can't communicate, they can't speak, they're lazy, they sit on their ass, they don't do anything, they don't attack life, they didn't get the job. So in the world of sports, like politics, it's the final score. It's the matter of how you get to the final score. Uh, popular votes, to me, are like total yards. Hey, we outgained you, we outran you, we outthrew you, we have more yards, we had better players, but we lost the game. Well, why'd you lose the game? Because we didn't make the big plays when it counted. Oh, well, then you lost the game. And why, why are you whining about popular votes? I mean, that's not the game plan. If you had told Donald Trump that in order to be president, you have to win the popular vote, then he would have lived in California. He would have lived in New York. He would have lived in Illinois. He would have lived in, you know, Maryland. He would have lived in certain areas and just, and just done nothing but leave those areas. And then the mid-America would just get ignored. Who would go to Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire? Nobody. Who would go anywhere? Who would go to Colorado, Wyoming, Nebraska, North Dakota? Those, those, those citizens would just be ignored. There's a reason why they did this. And you lost. The Trump people knew what the game plan was. They knew they couldn't win California. They knew they couldn't win New York. So they didn't really go nuts there. They knew they could win Pennsylvania, so they went there. They knew they could win Wisconsin. They knew they could win Minnesota. They knew they could win Colorado, so they went there. They just kind of gave up on New York and California. What's the point? It's pretty smart. I think if you take out California and New York, the popular vote's a blowout. It's in favor of Trump. So, But again, it's just people just love to complain and just make excuses. That's what we do in society. Instead of just admitting our faults, we like to say, but, 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 but. And I could say something as simple as like, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to make an example. Some guy um, walks outside and falls down the stairs. 
And I say, dude, if you just grabbed the handrail, you wouldn't have fallen. And then he goes, yeah, but the handrail's cold. <laughs> okay, all right, what, what am I going to do? Yeah, but the handrail's over there, and I didn't want to walk on the side. I wanted to walk down the middle. Oh, okay. Well, then you fell down. Instead of just saying, yeah, you're right. Got to have a reason. Got to have an excuse. Kind of like if, if Saban went out and just blamed the referees. So, again, these are just some of my observations. But having to listen to Meryl Streep and having to, to listen to all the, the racial banter back and forth and everybody thinks Trump's a racist and Trump is this. How about we just figure it out? You know what I would love for Meryl Streep to say? How great would this have been? And Donald Trump's reaction isn't the best either. He, he, he's got to. He's got to get some thicker skin, man. Let me give you what we would both, what we would have liked from both candidates. Candidates being morons like Meryl Streep and Trump. Okay, so Meryl Streep goes on it. If she had said this, I'd have been like, "Wow, okay, wow, that was nice." Or if anybody would have walked up and said something like this. Listen, I just want to say a couple things. I know that this country is in turmoil right now with uh, a lot of negative people and running around protesting and writing and starting fights. And let me just tell you, I, I did not vote for President-elect Trump. I did not want him to win. I do not like President-elect Trump. But he is our president, and he is not in office yet. He's made some comments. He said some things. He wasn't a political figure when he did those things. He wasn't in politics. He was an entertainer. Much like you, Mel Gibson. Much like you, Roman Polanski. And he said some things that I think were unpresidential. But then again, he wasn't even considering being a president, to be quite honest with you. You might have said it, but that's all rhetoric. Now, I'm not a big fan of Donald Trump, but I am a big fan of the United States, and he is my president, so I'm going to hope that he does the best job he can for me and my fellow Americans. I am going to support him until he proves that he is no longer worthy of my support. I'm going to support him and see how he does when he gets into office. I'm going to see if he puts the right people in the right places. I'm going to see if he brings jobs back to America. I'm going to see if he brings the economy up, which he already has. Since his announcement, uh, the stock market's gone positive. So I'm going to give him a chance. Not a big fan of the things he said or even the things he's done. But you know what? That was then. That was before. Even that might have been during his campaign. Now he is the president. Now let's see how he behaves. Let's see if he's going to come out and say certain things. And I'm going to sit back and see how he does. And I'm going to do my job as an American and support my president. Now, for all of you that don't want to do that, my suggestion is you can leave the country. Go to Canada. Go to Mexico. Go to Australia. Go somewhere else. It's harder to go there because of the immigration laws that those countries have versus us. Go ahead. If you don't like being here. If you cannot support this president, then leave. You can be vocal. You can have your opinions. 
But in the end, you have to support the president of the United States, and you have to be a positive influence within the community. All of you that are sitting here and ranting and raving and whining and crying and wanting to go on protest and impeach and and do this and do that, you know what, man? Grow up. I know what I'm saying is, is to everybody in Hollywood, and we'll see if I lose jobs because of this, because if that's the case, then you're no better than Donald Trump. If me coming out saying that I am a supporter of Donald Trump gets me less job opportunities, then you're worse than Trump. You're a bigot and a racist. An elitist. Now what are you going to say? And then this would have been Donald Trump's response. Listen, uh, apparently Meryl Streep went on uh, the Golden Globes and uh, had some negative things to say about me. Why don't you fix your own community before you start criticizing mine? I will continue to serve you as an American citizen and do the best I can for you. If you have suggestions like any other citizen, you can voice them. But why don't you support your country, support your president, and do the best you can as an American citizen? And if I don't do the job, then feel free to criticize me. Stage and start name-calling and start predicting that you know things about me or projecting you know things about me that aren't true. I think she's a great actress. But she's just that. She's an actress. I used to be in television. I didn't like the way things were going in our country, and I ran for office. Ms. Streep, if you don't like the way things are being done in this world or in this country, run for office. Then good luck. Now, here's something else I'd like to bring up. The inauguration. You know what? Uh, enough of this entertainment. It's like the Super Bowl. I don't give a damn about who's singing at halftime. I don't care about the pregame show, the postgame show. I want to watch the game. At the inauguration, you know what, Trump? You would have won me over if you just said, listen, we're not going to have any entertainment, period. I'm getting away from that. That's the way other politicians do things. I'm not a politician. I'm not doing it. No entertainment whatsoever. We'll sing the national anthem. I'll give you my speech, and then I'm going to go to work. I'm not going to dance. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to have a fireworks display. I'm not going to show a movie. I'm not going to have dancers. I'm just going to do my thing, and then we're going to leave. Obama could do all that fun actor stuff. Hillary can get all the Jay-Zs in the world. I'm not doing it. I don't want to do it. Nobody wants to do it with me. Who cares? I got a job to do. I don't need to sit here for four hours being entertained by B-list artists. I don't need it. Man, wow, that'd be fantastic. Because when I watch the inauguration, if I watch it, I'm not watching it for the entertainment. I want to hear what he says, and then I'm done. But you don't have the intelligence for that. Why? Because this is the way it's been done. This is how it's been done for years. Really? Clinton is a lying 
you face? And I, I would, I want Trump to succeed. And if he doesn't, and if he proves to be a bad president, I'll call him out as an American citizen. But until that day comes, I'm, I'm 100% behind him. And I just hope he does what he says he was going to do. And I also hope that he has the guts to say it like it is and just come out and say, listen, no entertainment on Inauguration Day. I'm not doing it. It's embarrassing. It's stupid. My Lord. Find everyone's emails to me. Now we can go into sports. Let's start with the national championship game because that's where we that's where everyone is. And I'm gonna give you a couple of things that you're not gonna hear a lot on the local ESPN affiliates and the ESPN talk shows and let me let me tell you the plays of the game. I think the number one play of the game was when Renfro tackled my boy and didn't let him get into the end zone. That saved him four points. He strips that running back, gets the gets the fumble, and is running into the end zone, has no idea anyone's near him. He thinks he's going in for a touchdown. And Renfro tackles him. Turns into a field goal. That saves you four points. That's a play of the game. I thought that was a fantastic game. Not for the first half so much. But all I wanted when I was when – when I'm getting ready to watch this game, I'm thinking to myself, all I want is a good game. Close game. Dramatic. Entertaining. Couldn't do much better than that. I thought the end of the game, I think they were playing for a field goal. But they really did a fantastic job, Clemson, of just managing that clock. And they went for it. That was a gutsy call now. Now, they had a timeout. Don't get me wrong. In six seconds – you're counting on your quarterback to make a five-second decision. When he rolls out to the right, if it's not there, he's got to throw it away right away. And that ball has to land. You can't throw it into the stands. Because by the time the ball hits the stands, the game's over. Now, I don't know if there was – they went to the long side of the field, if I remember correctly. So I don't even know if he could have really ran out of bounds. And I wonder if he would have known that. I wonder he would have, if he would have known that if he wasn't open, throw it at his feet, like throw it down in the ground till the clock would stop. Because if he really did roll out to his right and throw it into the stands, it would not have been a penalty. It would not have been a problem, but it would have been game over. Clemson did the right thing playing for a touchdown because you never want to trust a field goal kicker. And I think... In an overtime format, advantage goes to Alabama. I think they had a better defense. I think they had a better power running game. Clemson can score now, don't get me wrong, but they are more of a finesse type of team that throws it a lot. You can throw an interception. But Deshaun Watson had had a great fourth quarter. How about the uh, Hunter Renfro? A walk-on. A walk-on sophomore. I did hear some good quotes on SportsCenter. Somebody said it. I don't know who because there's about 75 people talking. But somebody said a five-star recruit threw it to a zero-star recruit. That's a pretty good quote. That's the story I take away from here. The story I'm going to repeat to kids is the one where the guy who caught the winning touchdown, and I think he had four touchdowns in two national championship games, former walk-on that was told he is not, not big enough, not strong enough, not fast enough. 
So these are some of the thoughts I took away from it that I don't really hear being just flat-out regurgitated how great this guy is. I mean, yeah, he had a great game. Do I think he's a prototypical star quarterback in the NFL? No, I don't. I don't think he has a chance. My reason is I don't think he's a good enough passer. I don't think he's a good enough quarterback. I think you're going to see him do what your boy did from Ohio State. He's now playing wide receiver for the Browns. I do not think he's a good quarterback. He had great games. But in the NFL, you're not going to face, even though in Alabama, Alabama's defense is phenomenal, you're not going to get away with the things he gets away with in college. You're just not. You're not going to be able to run the ball that much because you're going to get just destroyed. And I don't think he throws a great ball. And he's not Cam Newton. He's probably 6'2", 215 pounds. He doesn't throw a great ball, not to me. And now we are facing all those defenses, complicated defenses, guys that will just knock you unconscious. I, I just don't think he'll be a great quarterback in the NFL. But maybe I'll be wrong. I thought RG3 would be really good, and he was for a year. So I've been wrong before. Here's, here's some of the mistakes that I thought were made. By the way, both teams had some gutsy offensive coordinator calls. I am glad that, that Alabama lost. Number one, they're a dynasty. They're the better team. They always win. So I always want the underdog to win. Number two, I didn't like the way that he treated Lane Kiffin throughout his tenure there. So I'm kind of glad that when Lane left, they lost. That kind of makes me happy, to be honest with you. I feel bad for Lane Kiffin. So it's kind of good that he leaves and they lost. I don't blame that loss on that. I don't think that's why they lost. You know, if I'm going to blame the loss on anybody, it's going to be on Saban, and I'll tell you why. But I, I like it for that reason. I like that it's a new blood getting in there. It's an ACC team. It's Clemson. Dabo Sweeney gets on my nerves a little bit. He's a little arrogant, but, you know, he's enthusiastic. I like him. It's just we, we need some new blood in there. So, so, again, I always root for the underdog. But the reason why I blame it on, on Nick Saban, the same way I blame the Warriors losing on Steve Kerr. You could tell me to your blue in the face that Steve Kerr's a great coach. Manager. I don't think he's a great coach. I think he had really bad game-time decisions. Really bad philosophies. And I think Saban blew it. Here, here's what I would have – now, again, it's hindsight, but I, I was on the phone with some people when I made these comments. I was actually texting during the game. I'm not on the phone during the game because i got to watch the game. But I'm texting random people during the game. And one of the things I said was, Alabama needs to call a timeout. Now, with six seconds to go, you're thinking if you're Alabama is, well, if I call a timeout, Clemson, more rest and more opportunity to pick a play they're really going to like. Well, here's my, here's my combat to that, my comeback for that. With six seconds to go in the game, you don't have a lot of options. So the amount of plays you're going to run aren't that vast because you have to run a four-second play. Why? Well, you got six. So if you run a five-second play, you're probably going to lose the game if you don't score. So it's going to have to be a four-second play, which is going to have to be a quick hitter. So if I'm Alabama, I call timeout just to get, my, get everybody on the same page. And then the great Nick Saban, who's supposed to be the mastermind of the defensive side of the ball. That's my understanding. I could be way off. But he's supposed to be the defensive guru, the defensive mind. How do you not know they're going to run that play? How do you not know? 
They've ran it before when Williams caught the touchdown in one corner of the end zone. They've run that pick play quite a bit. You've been upset about it. You've complained about it. You know they're going to run it. I mean, you have to know that, right, if you're the quarterback. I mean, if you're the coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide and you've done your scouting and you know what they're going to run at the end of games, and, and even if you just paid attention during the course of the game, you have to know they're going to run that pick play. So then what I would have done is said, okay, timeout. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go zone. We're going to go zone. If they go zone, that play doesn't work. We're going to go zone, and we're just going to stay in our spots. They're going to probably run this pick play. They run it all the time. Now, Clemson, you thought they were going to go to the other side of the field to the big guy, Williams, and they kind of threw a, a, a curveball and went the other way. Right when Clemson gets to the line of scrimmage. So you can see what they were setting up in, and you can kind of make that prediction. And then if you're wrong, you're wrong. But you, you have to take away what they have been doing, what they have shown they will do. You have to take that away. I put that on Saban. It's a really bad defense to be in, man-to-man. Now, here's what I would have said, and, and again, Nick Saban's a better coach than me. Come on now. Everyone knows this. But this is what I would have done being a professional football guy for my whole life, playing it in the lower levels of high school. But if, if Williams is isolated on one side, then that's, that's man-to-man. Whatever receiver's isolated on one side, if that happens, that guy's man-to-man. On the other side, if there's two receivers spread out, I, I'm going zone. They can't do anything over the top. They really couldn't do anything. They could not throw a lob. Not really. I mean, they could have just snapped it and just immediately thrown a high lob to Williams, which I thought was a possibility. But they can't run any kind of, like, catch the ball, turn, look, survey, throw it over to the back of the end zone. Because to be honest with you, a lob, a lob could cost them the game. If he catches it and rolls out and then tries to throw a lob to the back of the end zone, the game might be over. How much time was there left after the bullet pass? One second. So if you force them to throw it to the back of the end zone, game's over. But no one's saying this. I haven't heard anybody talk about this yet, and I've heard about 75,000 people speak of the game. It was a bad decision by Saban to not go zone. And he had two timeouts. He could have called one. And then he could have even after that, they got to the line of scrimmage. Maybe he didn't like the setup that they had and called another one. I mean, what are you, what are you, what are you saving them for? So it's another example of big games being lost more than one. Now, yes, great play call, great execution. But how did you not know that was coming? Was it an interference call? No, it wasn't. But. It is kind of weird how that guy who sets the pick, he didn't really set the pick because the guy went underneath it. Um, he really just kind of bulldozes his defender. I mean, is, is that legal? It might be. I don't know. I remember it happened in the USC game. And then another thing, when you call timeout, you could have mentioned, let's say you wanted to stay man. Well, you could have mentioned that you can't go underneath the screen. You got to go over it. You can't go behind it. 
not from the two-yard line. You can't go behind it. How would you feel if you were like a first-take program and you're Stephen A. Smith who, you know, just loves to pontificate? And he has to go on at 10 o'clock Eastern after 75,000 people have already talked about the game. I think Saban blew it. He had to call timeout. He had to know what they were going to run. He had to call the proper defense for it. His team wasn't prepared. The guy went under the pick and game over. And he wasn't even close. I mean, he was wide open. That's the only plays they could have ran. He could have just snapped it and thrown that pass because it could have been picked. It could have been deflected. It could have been too much, too long in the air. It could have been a million things. Put this loss on Saban. And you had a 14-point lead, and your offense scored enough points. That's why people are going to say Lane Kiffin. No, they had enough. They scored enough points. The defense is what let them down. And at the end of the day, it wasn't even that bad a defense. It was kind of just like, my guy's bigger and better than your guy. I'm going to throw it up there, and he's going to catch it, and you can't do anything about it. There was about four of those passes to Williams. And I thought Williams was kind of soft, too. Got hurt. Came out. If Williams is not back in that game, they don't win that game. And they had a great complement of receivers. The tight end was good, even though he had a drop. The wide receiver, Williams, is legit. He'll be a first-round pick, you know, in two years or a year. I don't think he's coming out this year. 6'3", with a 40-inch vertical. He'll be a good receiver. And then you had Renfro, who's getting a slot guy who was a walk-on, who could have easily been the MVP. I mean, of course you're going to give it to Deshaun Watson, but you could have given it to Renfro. A big touchdown to get him back in the game. But that tackle was what saved the game. If they get that fumble and run it in and it's 21-7, to that might be a big deflation. Instead, he tackles them, and it turns into 17-7. I had somebody just tweet me, yeah, they're showing on SportsCenter the reaction of Bill Walton and Jay Billis watching the games live. Yeah, I don't care about that. I don't, I don't know why that's on there. And the people they put in that room are completely irrelevant. I think Keyshawn Johnson was back there. A couple of women, I don't remember their names. It wasn't Kerry Champion, I'll tell you that. Um, Bill Walton, I remember Jay Billis. What? Jay Billis? I think they had like Marcellus Wiley. He's a football guy at least. Bill Walton? Bill Walton and Jerry and, and, and Jay Billis? What? I mean, I don't mind Keyshawn. I don't mind Marcellus, I guess. But ugh, I don't know, man. Are they going to try? Is ESPN going to try and turn Bill Walton into a megastar now? I, I don't. I don't know that. But it was a great game. It was a great game. That's what makes me happy. That's all I cared about. That's all I cared about, man. Mission accomplished. So, when you're asking me about, you know, what you want as a fan, as a sports fan, as a football fan, that's what you wanted. You wanted what you what, what we got, which is a great competitive game. And for that, I am thankful. I thought I thought you know it was well played. There wasn't a lot of penalties. I don't think the referees were hideous. 
Yeah, there was a couple calls in there that were a little shaky. You know, a couple calls that I'm like, ah, oh, that, that could have been an interference call. Or that that looked like it should have been a hold or not a hold. But that overall, wasn't that many penalties. Not like in an NFL game. I thought the bad part uh, administratively was the way they kept going to review. That was the bad. They just kept reviewing everything. And that took forever. Oh, my gosh. Now we're going to review this, too. What were they doing during this other process? They could not have reviewed it on their own without delaying the game. <sighs> but what are you going to do? But, I mean, outside of that, I thought the game was played okay. I didn't see a lot of bad, you know, mistakes with regards to referees or anything like that. So, I, again, I was pleased. Now we slide over to the NFL. The NFL that is becoming very much NBA-like. What do I mean by that? That the games are boring and the outcome was easy to predict. I mean, this is the worst set of playoff games I can ever remember. Usually you'll get one or two of the games being pretty good. These games were hideous from the get-go, and the one game that I thought was good the Green Bay uh, Giants game was good for a half. So at least, I, at least I had one half of football that was entertaining and, and, was, and was somewhat unpredictable. At least I had one half. How bad was Odell Beckham? Was the reason he was bad that he was out there in Miami? I don't know. He was bad, though. That's all I know. Dropping passes. That first half, they, the Giants had to be up. They should have been up by 10. Instead, they were down 11, I think, or something like that. So, what, 14-6? They outplayed them. They outdid every – out-executed them. But on third place, drops. Third down play, drop. I thought, I thought uh, to be honest with you, I, I thought Manny had a good game. Drop, 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 drop. Some of the passes weren't great, but, but a great receiver would have caught it. But those games were hideous. And it's getting NBA-like in the fact that the NBA playoffs are going to start, and who cares? We all know it's going to be Cleveland and Golden State. Because, yes, you can beat Cleveland once, maybe twice. You're not beating Cleveland four times. And you're not beating Golden State four times. You can beat them once or twice. The only team that might is San Antonio. So outside of that, the NBA playoffs are a foregone conclusion, and let's just move on. It's all a money grab. Well, the NFL was hideous. Now, this round, I would anticipate to be better. I mean, you know what makes an NFL team bad or an NFL game bad? Bad quarterbacks. Seattle at Atlanta on Saturday at 430 on Fox. 
that should be a good game. You've got two good quarterbacks. You know, you got some star power. Should be a good game. I think Atlanta wins it going away. So I don't think it'll end up being a good game. I think Atlanta wins that game by double ditch. And then you're going to hear all the great pontifications of what's wrong with Seattle? Are they going to have to retool? Are they going to have to do things different? Are they going to have to get better this, better that? Well, yeah, probably. But I think Atlanta's waiting for them. They had the week off. I think that offense is extremely powerful. I don't think Seattle's offense is good at all. I think if you can be Atlanta and you can put 28 points on the board, you win the game. And I think Atlanta is explosive, and I think they're going to be playing indoors. I think Atlanta wins it rather easily. New England on CBS, 815. That's about as big a blowout as you're ever going to have in a divisional round. I think Vegas has it in a 16-point game. 16-point spread for a divisional round game. Why? Quarterbacks. Houston's defense is okay. Now, the only chance Houston has is to put a thumping on Brady. That's it. I mean, you know what? If, I, if I'm coaching Houston, I'm saying, you know, and this guy, he's an egomaniac too, O'Brien. I would just be like, listen, uh, here's what we're going to do. We have no chance. We have no chance. So, the only way we do have a chance is if we put a thumping on Brady and even knock him out. So, us gambling and getting beat and getting scored on doesn't matter because Osweiler is not going to get it done. Here's the only chance we have. Turnovers, pressure, Brady's off his game because we're knocking him around and knocking him unconscious. Only chance we have. We have a really good defensive front that's put some pressure on these guys, that's hit Brady, even if that means a 15-yard penalty for hitting them late. Grill, let's make them think that we're here. In fact, let's have a late-hitting penalty. Let's have one early. Let's have a roughing the passer, not dirty, just hit him. Hit him and land on him, hurt him. That way he'll, he'll be thinking about us. He'll be wondering if we're coming again. Bounty and, and all these guys, we've got to do it. we gotta, we got to blitz. We have to be extremely aggressive. We're the number one defense in the NFL. We're going to have to play one-on-one on the outside. Hope to God that one of these white boy receivers doesn't get open and get loose. But let's just put pressure. Let's take away all the slants. Let's take away every slant to the middle. Let's heavily zone up the middle. Make him go to the outside. Take away the tight end. Take away the slant routes. Let's make him throw it over the top and take our chances there. And let's just blitz the heck out of him. Just blitz him. Scores, who cares? Dude, we have no chance anyways. Are we here to lose with grace or are we here to try to win? If we're here to try to win, then let's, let's, let's do this. Let's just go for it. There's your, there, there's your game plan, O'Brien. The Saturday games are a disaster. Now the Sunday games. Pittsburgh at Kansas City. I like Pittsburgh, but I think that's going to be a close game. And if, if Ben is really hurt, hey, Kansas City at home, I think Pittsburgh wins, but I think that's going to be a fun game. NBC, 105, Eastern. Then the best game, Sunday night. Now, if Nelson can't play, that's really going to hurt Green Bay. 
But Green Bay at Dallas is is the two best teams in the NFC playing. This is going to be a great game. Dallas is not an explosive offense. They are a grinded out kind of offense. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. You know, 10-yard pass here, there, Witten, Witten, you know, maybe a little Dez here and there. But I, I think that's going to be a good game. And, and you would think that Rodgers has the experience. Playing on the road shouldn't be a problem. I like Green Bay in an upset there. I really do. Now, I don't think Jordy Nelson is going to play. That makes me a little bit more cautious in my prediction. But you have to make Dak Prescott beat you. You have to make him throw the ball. And if you can start out with the ball, Rodgers, march down the field and score and put that pressure on the rookie quarterback and rookie or running back, and you really kind of put seven or eight in the box and force Dak to beat you with the pass, I think you have a chance. Elliott out of the game and make him beat you being a quarterback like you have to make Cam Newton beat you throwing the ball. If it's a high-scoring game, you got to give it to, to, to Green Bay, don't you? But the great thing about football is it's one and done. It's not like the NBA's best out of seven. And if somebody has a bad turnover, one bad turnover could kill you. One pick six could be ball game. Saturday, I don't know. Let's just hope the games are better than what I had to watch last time. The two best football games of the year by far were the USC, Penn State, and, uh, and last night. And I think if I had to make the final standings, I don't know, I don't know if that's going to come out. I'm assuming it will. Like the end of the year rankings. Oh, someone just tweeted me? Hold on, I'm reading this tweet. Oh, okay. Someone's tweeting me that the rankings are out. Well, that's good. Hold on. Well, that's pretty fast. Okay. Uh, Clemson won Okay I'm looking on ESPN right now Here it is actually 2016 college football rankings Postseason AP top 25 Wow they got it right it looks like They put Clemson 1 Alabama 2 obviously USC 3 Which I agree with Wow Now I don't agree with this Washington 4 I'd have put Oklahoma four, but Oklahoma five, Ohio State, Penn State, I don't agree with that. Ohio State got embarrassed. Penn State did not. Penn State beat Ohio State. Nine, Michigan ten. Okay, I don't agree with those. Let me let me tell you what I agree with. One, two, three, I agree. Four, Oklahoma. Five, Penn State. Six, Ohio State. Seven, Seven, Florida State. Eight, Washington. Nine, Michigan. Ten, Wisconsin. I wonder how they did this. But I do think USC would have been the third best team. A USC-Clemson game would have been pretty fun. So then it goes down to the NCAA playoff disaster committee crew, whatever you want to call them. Because Ohio State and Washington should not have been in there. It should have been Penn State and, and USC. 
Those were the four best teams at the end of the year. I maybe could have made an argument for Oklahoma, proven by the way that Washington and Ohio State really had very little resistance in their semifinal games. And Michigan got beat by Florida State, who's not as good, nearly as good as Clemson. So those teams should not have been in there. The Penn State-USC game was phenomenal. Imagine if these four teams played, and then you had a USC versus Clemson national championship game. That would be pretty good. And USC plays more traditionally than the other teams. USC has like a drop-back quarterback, and they throw the ball to receivers. More NFL-like, I guess, by my vision, than the read-option stuff. And quarterbacks just running for 1,000 yards. So we'll see. The NFL should have some, some better matchups this weekend. I hope so. And I agree with the PTI crew that college football has to do something different. They, they have to play they have to play the championship game at a different time and the semifinal games at a different time. They have to do something with the scheduling. Moving on in the world of sports, I don't uh, – there's not really a lot else to talk about. I'm not going to talk about college football or college – I mean, college basketball or, or – I'm definitely not talking about the NBA too much because uh, there's just – who cares? I guess the one thing about the NBA is where was Derrick Rose? <laughs> uh, okay. He said he had family issues. See, this is just me talking as a rational human. If you had some family issues, I think you would have told somebody, right? You would have said, hey, man, I got an issue. I mean, let's say something happened back home and your mom, something with your mom or dad or brother or sister, or something bad happens. You would have just said, hey, uh, coach, I'm sorry, man. Something just came up. I got to get out of town. I'm sorry. I'll be right there. Boom, done. Takes about a minute. Um, so I don't buy that. If he was sick or something like that, again, he'd wake up, and I think he'd make a comment. I, can't, I don't feel it. I gotta, I'm going to stay back in my room. Apparently, he flew to Chicago. Apparently. Just as a rational human being, uh, I think he was pouting. This is my assumption. This is my, you know, alleged thoughts. Well, why, why would he not tell anybody and just go missing? He hadn't played very much in the last few games as far as fourth quarter action. Apparently he's okay. He has a family issue. He was at the shoot-around. I, I think he's, he's a little soft. He's always been a little soft mentally, in my opinion. He's having a decent year, 17 points, 4.5 assists, 4 rebounds. But he's not playing a lot at the end of games. I, I think he was just pouting. I think he just, he just lost it. He's unhappy. He was sad. He wanted to go home. He's tired. He doesn't want to go. He's not going to play. He thinks he's going to lose, blah, 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 blah. I don't know, man. A little weird. Don't be shocked if he doesn't retire. Don't be shocked if he doesn't if he comes out and says, I'm done. Don't be shocked. He's not happy in New York. 
He wants to go home. Body's beaten up. He's not playing a lot. You can see the tea leaves are saying that he's not really a guy in their future. Maybe Hornacek doesn't like him. He's kind of a baby. Eh, don't, don't, don't be surprised if he says, I, I need a leave of absence. And he, at worst case scenario, takes a month off to get his head straight. I haven't heard of this too often where a guy just goes missing. I mean, okay. How about the World Cup going to 48 teams? That's just dumb. The World Cup's just doing a money grab like every other sport. I guess why not? I used to love soccer because they didn't always do the money grabs, like playoffs and best out of threes, best out of sevens, and all that garbage. But, hey, I guess it is like everyone else, do the money grab. Baylor's number one in college basketball. So now college basketball could be front and center. Allen, Allen served a one-game suspension. Good job there, Coach K. I don't really care what your reasonings are. I think it was a bad move. One game. It's perception. Enabling. I, I just, I think he won't do it again because, if, if, let me say this to you. If Allen does not have another altercation, another set, another flare-up situation, moment of, of temporary insanity, if he does not have another instance like that, then it's not a disease. It's not mental with him. If he trips somebody again, then he might have a, a mental problem. So time will tell. And if he doesn't have another incident, then this was all a bunch of garbage. He just a little brat that made a bad move and didn't get punished for it. No, the college basketball rankings are irrelevant, but it's good for Baylor. First time ever, I think they've been number one. They haven't looked too good the last few times I've seen them. They're one, Kansas, Villanova, UCLA, Gonzaga at five. They won't lose until the tournament. Kentucky, Duke, Creighton, not very good. Creighton's not eight. West Virginia, I got to see. Florida State's in between them. So Florida State, nine. West Virginia, 10. North Carolina, 11. Butler, 12. I like Butler. I like Oregon at 13. Louisville can't score. Don't like them. Got to see Xavier. Got to see Arizona. Notre Dame's winning some games late. USC still top 25. I don't know how that happened, but time of year it is. This is now officially college basketball season, except for the weekends when it's the NFL. Kentucky Vanderbilt today. We have a great one, Duke and Florida State. That's like on the ACC network. So you got to find that. But this, you're going to see some games now. And you can now get into some college basketball because you're not going to go to the NBA. Creighton on Wednesday on Fox Sports 1. That's a great matchup. Usually Thursday and Fridays are pretty weak for college basketball. Why, I don't know. I think the Pac-12 plays on Thursday, so you might get some good games there. Well, yeah, they do. UCLA plays Colorado, so that could be a great game. But So a couple decent games, but then we're going to start getting into – when the NFL season ends, that's when you're really going to say it's, it's college basketball season. Duke plays Louisville this weekend. I think San Antonio plays Cleveland. So there's, there's, there's only like one of you know, ten games you need to watch in the NBA, so that'll be fun. But that's all I've got. we got to roll. It's been fun. 
I don't anticipate I don't anticipate coming back on before the end of the week. But if something big happens in the world of sports, I'll bump up and uh, we'll have another episode. If not, I will talk to you after the NFL playoffs. We'll probably talk on Monday. We went Tuesday this week because of the national championship game. So if I don't talk to you before then, we'll talk to you on Monday on the uh, NFL action and the NBA and NCAA. Want to follow me on Twitter? Keep it going. Follow me on Twitter at Coach Dave Taylor. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Get real with Coach Dave Taylor. And keep the emails coming. Coach Dave Taylor at Yahoo.com. Coach Dave Taylor at Yahoo.com. Uh, don't drink and drive. Don't text and drive. Nothing good happens after midnight. I'll say that every day until the day I die. Nothing good happens after midnight. End of discussion. Go home. I'll leave you with a song called Strong by London Grammar. We like to play a little unique stuff out here. So I'll leave you with a song called Strong by London Grammar. We'll talk to everybody again on Monday, if not sooner. Be safe, everybody. Leave early. Don't, don't speed down the roads. Just enjoy your drive. Leave 15 minutes earlier. It was a great, great Monday night of football. So enjoy your week. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.